Welcome to another episode of the EQ Elevator podcast, where I use practical emotional intelligence, leadership strategies, and frameworks to help you elevate your leadership skills and address the people aspects of the digital hybrid working environment, specifically to STEM. Today, we're going to discuss the challenges of how can we increase organizational resilience in terms of cybersecurity, in terms of business continuity, and in terms of talent management by closing the cybersecurity skills gap? This is a significant and major challenge. A few weeks ago, end of June, I did a workshop for the European Cybersecurity Organization with HR leaders where I demonstrated how the EQ toolkit can be a powerful tool to help them uh, develop a powerful employee value proposition, not only to attract cybersecurity talent, but also in terms of retention and upskilling of the current staff to elevate cyber hygiene. And role is not necessarily the sole responsibility for human resources. In the next two episodes, I'm going to bring together the individual roles and how they play a part of an orchestra between the C chief executive officer or managing director, who is mainly concerned with business continuity, keeping the business floating and moving forward, keeping the trust of shareholders, not shareholders, I always come up with new words, shareholders and stakeholders in the confidence uh, level, uh, as well as the board in the company and the organization, and also manage the, the people aspect challenges of how do we keep business operations running with minimal disruptions, which is a challenge in itself because there are many factors at play. And then we have the chief information security officer, which is also becoming more of a dichotomy. It's not always clear what the role is of the chief information security officer. Often they are accountable for cyber risk, but they're not given the necessary resources to support that responsibility. And, and I'm not talking necessarily about tangible resources such as money or technology, but the power to influence and shape collaboration to build cybersecurity as a culture, to build resilience within the, organ the human factor, because human factor still poses a significant risk. And it's not to say that humans are the weakest links, but humans are posing a higher risk than the technology itself, because we are using the technology and the way we are using the technology and the way we are assessing risk, our risk appetite, is not the same in everyone's map of the world. And this can cause quite some stress for the CISOs themselves. As we've seen with one hand, it seems as a prestigious position that's been in the spotlight quite often these past years because of the rising cyber threats. But also it's now being in the spotlight because of liability issues, because of the the increased risks of data breaches and how things are handled during a data breaches. Often this is not exercised 
in terms of uh, more in depth, in terms of how does our lack of perhaps understanding each other's map of the world exacerbate the data breach crisis, causing us to cover up some factors, which then lead to investigations, internal audits, and in the media, uh, as we've seen with Uber in this case. It's going to be three episodes, and today we're going to start with the chief people officers, human resources, looking at how emotional intelligence can help you, can help CPOs build cyber resilience using the EQ toolkit. Obviously, I'm going to give a glimpse because I'm not going to solve the 3.2 million lacking cybersecurity skills vacancies globally in uh, Nadia's EQ Elevator podcast. If I was able to do that, then I probably would be somewhere else right now. <laughs> but I do want to provide you with nuggets, with prompts to really open up different perspectives, different viewpoints, and make your life easier in the end, right? The easier our lives are, the more clarity we gain, and the more clarity we gain, the more fulfillment we can experience in our work, in our collaborations. And this is the foundation of building cyber resilience. If we're constant in speed mode, if we're constant in stress mode, if we're constant in tension mode, it takes a toll on our mental well-being, on our emotional well-being, and our physical well-being. And that is not going to build a resilient organization. That is going to build a weaker organization that is not going to, I don't want to make any projection, but it's going to be harder to survive the digital threats, especially if you are a small, medium business enterprise, or if you are remotely dispatched, dispatched, I don't know, but the heat wave has affected one of my neurons, my speech neurons. So some of the words are not coming out in the right order. I do apologize. I have to reprogram my English language algorithm so I can speak correct English again. But what I mean is, especially if you are a multinational, international company and you are dispersed globally, so remote working, hybrid working environment, it's huge and that presents another layer of cyber risk because of the digital means that you are collaborating and the data sharing. No matter how secure technology is, it is a human factor risk. So let's look at some of the challenges in terms of what are the major challenges that CPOs face when it comes to building cyber resilience. Now, the first one obviously is how do we attract, not only how do we find the right talent, how do we attract the right talent? And it, it starts actually inside out. So in the workshop I did for the EXO community, I spoke about understanding in depth the challenges your organization specifically faces and the requirements they need to close the gap. Sometimes it requires a shift in internal talent management programs to incorporate cyber hygiene as part of talent development. Often cyber is used as an ad hoc, but how can we integrate cyber security training in people's map of the world 
as part of their talent management career de development and leadership skills. You're not going to create cyber experts or cyber warriors in every person because that is the responsibility of the chief information and chief information security officer. They have the technical acumen and expertise they need to build that secure foundation. However, that said, cyber is not only the responsibility of the IT team or the cybersecurity. You can reduce the human surface attack, which is basically the, the plateau or the surface that is increasingly growing where cyber criminal scammers can have a bigger playground in infiltrating and preparing their data breaches and subsequent uh, ransomware attacks who have been continued to be on the rise. So this is, requires a, a more broader mass. What skill set do we need to attract, but how much can we do internally? And then the second uh, element is compliance and privacy handling. Now, often the compliance position is embedded in the human resources. Often it's also not embedded in the human resources, but this is a behavioral aspect. How do you get people to behave differently with privacy and data security in mindset? We, there are still companies, we talk about AI and the potential and the art of technologies. There are still companies who are using Excel sheets with client shareholders data that they leave unsecured and even email through their G drive to their personal address if, the, if they can't work on it immediately or if they were speed, which obviously poses a huge risk for commercial espionage, for data breaches and so on. So this is something that needs to be, it's another invisible or visible stressors for human resources. How do you get people to act differently with a higher sense and consciousness of security without making it boring or without making it about security per se? The other challenge when we talk about attraction, when we look at the job description, Often they are written by subject matter experts. There is no storytelling. There is no evoking positive emotion that yes, I can see myself taking a role in this company where my strengths of leadership, my strengths of problem solving, my strengths of social responsibility, my strengths of emotional expression can come to light to help prevent, mitigate, and recover from cyber attacks. So. This is obviously a, a sensitive topic because from a security or a technical perspective, you need to ensure that whoever you hire has the foundational skills to meet the, the job requirements in terms of technical acumen and technical skills. However, you're not going to get people excited for a long term if you're only focusing on you need to have X, Y, Z in terms of uh, technical skills. You are going to get them excited in storytelling. When you write job description, how you communicate them to the outside world is different than how you communicate them internally. And here you need to work with the marketing department, the communication department, even with the CEO. And how does it fit in the organizational goals and objectives? How can you, for example, not only hire for a cybersecurity analyst, but with someone who has 
high levels of independence and really comes to life because they have attention to detail and enjoy analyzing invariances to detect potential dangers and reduce the risk of a cyber attack, which then they have contributed to business continuity, which is important for the CEO and the chief operating officers. So when you link these things, you make them feel that they're part of something bigger, not only of the architectural environment or analyzing data, which AI now also plays a huge role. How are you going to get people excited, especially when we want to attract more women in cyber? How are you going to get the younger girls or even women who are looking for a career in, in cyber excited to express their whole selves and be part of something bigger? And for people, it will be different. So you need to understand the market. You need to understand the kind of personas you want to attract and how you can use the emotional intelligence toolkit to fuel those stories, the branding to attract the right people. That is the first step. Now, and the second step is more about retention because yeah, there are layoffs also going on, which is a dichotomy when we look at the gap in vacancies. We look at the use of artificial intelligence to try to close that gap. And we are looking at we can't find enough cybersecurity professionals because we need the human in the loop. And if we continue to do these in separation, we're never going to solve the root cause of the problem. So how can you look at uh, if you are understaffed, because often the cybersecurity teams are understaffed or in general companies are understaffed and they rely on the high performers, but stress tolerance, interpersonal relations, being work-life integration, all offering a higher quality of life at work, flexibility is important to not only attract the right talent, but also to keep the right talent. And if you're now struggling with an understaffed workforce, high employee turnover, how are you going to make sure that those who are there, the high performers, are not leaving for another company? Because this is what's happening. High performers are scarce resources. And if you're going to lose them as well, then your cyber risk profile, your organizational risk profile will continue to plummet. So you can use the emotional intelligence toolkit and dimensions to build personal resilience, team resilience, and collective resilience in order to balance out the pressure from uh, outside. Let us now look at, for example, when it comes to the EQ Elevator framework. So for those who are new to my podcast, I use, you can listen to the first podcast to better understand or visit my website on what emotional intelligence is and toolkit. Toolkit is the EQI 2.0 model, which is a scientifically validated model specifically designed for the professional environment and which is more comprehensive than some other schools of thoughts. Not better, or it depends on what you're looking for, but this tool is specifically designed for the workplace and has a broader element to it than most uh, emotional intelligence school thoughts that you can go more in depth and address the immediate challenges you're facing. So I use this toolkit to help my clients build a cyber resilience from a human factor perspective. And when we look at the, uh, the human resources, so the chief people officer, it first starts with the, the EQ elevator. So it's a five-step framework. This is how I call 
elevate your leadership. When you go into elevator, every time you go up, you see the challenge from a different perspective. And this requires a shift in mindset, which often when we are in reaction mode, when we are so busy, we don't necessarily have the mental energy or the time even to do. So when you go on the first floor, this is the perspective of yourself. And here it's really important to leverage in self-regard. So if you view yourself purely responsible for uh, narrow HR functions that do not include uh, cyber resilience, it's going to be more stressful to collaborate with the chief information security officers or with other departments and increase uh, with the compliance department as well not only to increase cyber hygiene, but also to attract the right talent for your organization. And this is something you need to be aware of. What are some of the beliefs you have about cybersecurity in general? What are some of the beliefs you have about your function? How do those beliefs make you feel? What emotions come up? For example, if you feel that you should, let's take a very specific example, job descriptions, it should be written by the cybersecurity department or the CIO or the CISO or whoever the SME is. And this is your job is only to format it and to put it out there. And I'm not saying that this is the case, but I'm just giving you an example. Then it's going to be difficult to attract the right talent because you need to not only include the CIO and the CISO, but also the marketing department. It needs to be a story built out, uh, out of it. How does it fit within the talent development program that you have? How does it fit in the organizational goals and objectives, right? Because it will cost you more to invest in all of this, to attract very quick talent that then leave after a certain period of months or go into burnout. And then you have to start the hiring process all again. So it's better to take the time and to build a very solid employee value proposition but also first starting with yourself. What is it that drains your energy in terms of finding the right talent? And then, the, so the, here the key points are self-awareness, recognizing personal biases and understanding of your own responsibilities or role in talent development, specifically to cybersecurity and, and building this resilience. The second floor is how can you put yourself into the personas of the cybersecurity talents that you are looking for. And here often we, we focus a lot on the younger talent, those that are coming fresh out of school, but we're missing out on the workforce potential. So here a generational diverse lens is important because cybersecurity doesn't always necessarily need technical skills. It, here you need to understand the requirements and the outcomes you want to deliver for your business and how the, the competence and skill sets you need are going to help you achieve that. So this requires close collaboration with the CEO or the chief strategy officer, if, if there is one. And this again, if you step into their world, you can then craft stories that inspire people to join the team, right? Who doesn't want to be part of the team? For example, if you have a female data scientist or computer scientist that is responsible for analyzing, again, uh, data in order to enhance the cybersecurity posture. If you 
also add to it that this person wants to have more freedom at work and loves interaction with other people, then you can leverage interpersonal skills. You can leverage emotional expression, which is the foundation for communication skills, that they can lead a small project cross-functional because this will not only bring forth their technical skills, but also their personal leadership skills and makes, make them feel more fulfilled in what they do because you're directly speaking to their character strengths, to, to what makes them feel that they are um, doing something meaningful and purposeful. How do you get people excited? When you only hammer on what is wrong in them, no one likes to feel something is wrong with them. It doesn't mean we need self-awareness to recognize our blind spot. Well, we need to put more energy and attention to what is right in us, what is strong in us from a character perspective. And when you can combine those two, the character and your technical expertise, magic happens, right? Because people will feel excited. People will feel responsible. If you take that away, and here's where leadership comes in. So you also need another program for leadership to allow that to unfold. It's by understanding these different aspects. And how can you create an environment where people flourish? One is someone who is highly technical. Doesn't mean that they don't have personal ambitions. They don't have leadership skills ambition. They don't have a desire to connect with other people and to feel that they are doing something meaningful. You need to weave these two in. And when you attract talent, story needs to portray that, but also in terms of retention and also in terms of upskilling. The third floor is neutral perspective. Often we feel a lot of stress, we feel a lot of mental pressure because we come in with our own judgment, we come in with our own personal biases, and then we miss certain dimensions of information, we miss certain, our, the blind spots. So when you take a look, step back from the third floor without judgment, but with curiosity, and just observe, the challenges and the consequences and what has been done in the past and what is not working, you'll be surprised how much information will come and how you can do things differently. There's nothing that still stifles, not stills, or stills, it's logically, it makes sense. It stills innovation, but the correct use of English language would be stifles innovation, Nadia, is to say we've always done it this way. You're not going to address these complex solutions with old ways of thinking and doing and changing ways of thinking and doing when we are highly pressured stressed, very challenging. So we need to involve more creativity, more clarity on how you can do things differently and start small because if you start big, it's going to put more pressure on you. And again, you may say, but it's all nice, Nadia. But I'm going to get, I'm getting pressure from the CEO. I'm getting pressure from the board of directors. I'm getting the market. It's really tough. And that is true. And we're not denying this. However, if you, if we continue to do the same things as we do in the past without taking a step back and reflecting from a neutral perspective, we won't get new insights. The fourth floor is here is the business perspective. So how can you weave in the attraction strategy, the business strategy by understanding what does the business needs. If you do this in silos, it will cost you more money because you will hire 
for each individual competency set or field versus understanding actually if we these are the competencies we need and if we can attract people that have 80% of these competencies, then we don't need to invest in another area because they can do that as well. They have the high levels of flexibility, for example, which speaks about our ability to adapt our mindsets, our behaviors to changes more quickly than if we would have with less effort than if we would have low levels of flexibility. Uh, emotional expression, people who have high levels of uh, emotional expression, they are communicators. They like to connect. They like, they're very expressive. And you want those, that kind of skill set in cybersecurity because that will help make cybersecurity culture, cyber resiliency culture, and build relationship with other departments to increase their cybersecure behavior. And then we can look at it from a macro perspective, which is really understanding the broader landscape. How can you partner up with universities, with other organizations to, to position yourself, to introduce your employee value proposition? Who are your stakeholders? How can you also train your ambassadors? Everyone was going to networking events and how can you give them key lines to take the stories about your organization that includes cyber resilience, that includes cyber skill set, because you never know where that may lead. So it's more of a mindset in integrating it in everything that you do and not necessarily only separate. So in some, because I've been going on for quite a while now, is as chief people officer, you facing uh, or human resources, it's not an easy job. But if you want to achieve more success or sustainable success, meaning achieving the, the you know, lower turnover, higher retention rates, and closing the skills gap, it requires a broader strategy that is uh, working together with across the departments, obviously, but specifically CEO and CISO and understanding the competencies you need and then how are you going to use emotional intelligence to inspire an intrinsic motivation for people to join your company, to stay at your company, and to work together as an orchestra to build and maintain this resilience. Because the organizations who have this resilience are the ones who are able to inspire and instill trust and confidence in their customers, in their shareholders, and in their stakeholders, that whatever happens, they've got their S together and they will bounce back without significant business disruption. Thank you for listening. And next week, we'll talk about the uh, responsibility and how the chief information security officer can use the EQ toolkit to build higher personal resilience against the stress that comes with the position, but also healthier security cultures in working together with the CPO and the CEO. Thank you for listening and I look forward to next week. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the EQ Emotional Intelligence Elevator Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and gained valuable insights into the world of emotional intelligence. To learn more about Thrive with EQ and Nadia's mission to build stronger, more resilient workplaces through higher levels of emotional intelligence, visit our website at thrivewitheq.com. You'll find a plethora of EQ leadership resources, tools, 
and services to help you and your organization thrive. Thank you again for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends and colleagues. As always, keep thriving with EQ.